Great. All right. So, uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, we said last week that we were going to begin the second paragraph of uh, Kabbalah Shabbos. So this is from Tehillim, Perk Tzadi Vav, 96. And what I think we're going to try and do this week, last week, or the last two weeks, what we did was, first we did a straight translation with some brief commentary, and then we went back and we saw the Malbim. I think this week we're going to try, for this uh, this Perek, I think we're going to try and integrate them. So as we read and translate a Pasuk, so then we'll jump ahead and we'll see how the Malbim uh, does it, and that way we'll sort of get the full picture of each Pasuk uh, one at a time. Okay, so that being said, let me go ahead and share the screen. Okay. Um, so the part the, there's there's uh, just because I'm using the uh, the Hebrew font over there, so the footnote numbers are kind of funky looking, but uh, I'll I'll just speak out what those are, so you don't have to worry about that. But then we'll jump ahead to the uh, to the Malbim, uh, which is at the end. So we will be scrolling back and forth. But we say, this first Pasuk is a fascinating Pasuk. It's easy to translate, but there's a lot of information there, Baruch Hashem. So it says, Shir la Hashem, Shir Chadash. We're going to sing to Hashem a new song. Shir la Hashem, Kol Aretz. And we're going to sing to Hashem. Kol Aretz would literally mean the entire land. But the, uh, the Radak explains that what it's really referring to is the inhabitants of the land. So this, again, as we talked about last, uh, last week and two weeks ago, this is a reference to La'asid Lavo. This is a reference to the time in the future when Klai Yisrael is going to, uh, is go- when, when the world now recognizes HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. And what we're going to do is there's going to be, everybody is going to be, not everybody, but there are going to be new songs which are going to be sung. So this first thing is that there's going to be this new song which we're going to sing, and it's going to be something which we're going to include the entire world. Now, there's a uh, a, a medrash. The Radak brings down a medrash, um, and I'm going to read it to you as is, just so I don't get blamed for uh, the messages if I compose it myself. So it says, Kol shiros Generally, the term that you'll find for the songs is shira. Shira is in feminine. Shira, ulasi lavo belashon zachar. But whenever there's a capital Tehillim, which talks about a song which we're going to sing in the future at the time of the Geula, so that uses masculine language. So it's usually shira, the shira al-hayam, that uh, the az yashir is referred to as a shira, but in the future, like in this paragraph, it says a shir chadash. In Ratzel Omar, and the reason is, that the success which Klai Yisrael had in their history, so it didn't have a lasting uh, duration. It was temporary. We, we, we experienced it for, uh, for a period of time, but then it was lost. Therefore, the song that we sing about those events which happened in the past before the Gula, so that the 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 David uh, uses feminine, uh, because nekeva uh, um, females are again don't blame me are the weaker of the two sexes, just in terms of their physical structure, I guess. 
But the ultimate gula which we're going to experience, this is something which is going to last and which is going to continue. It has durability. And that's why the shir, which we're going to sing in the future, is masculine. We're actually seeing manifestations of this uh, nowadays when you have these these, uh, transgender uh, females who are competing in sports against the uh, the women, and obviously it's an unfair advantage for the me- uh, the born males to be competing against the uh, the women because their body structure and their muscle structure is is different. But here we have this idea that there's going to be this song in the future, and it's going to be a shir chadash, uh, which is going to be uh, which the entire world is going to join. Now the Malbim says, as we scroll down. So now he says a fascinating idea. And that is, and here I'll, I'll highlight along the way, ki ha'akum, because the non-Jews of the world, hayu yodim shashem hu rishona. They recognize that Kosh Baruch Hu is, the, they, they, they may recognize the Kosh Baruch Hu as a creator. Siba rishona means the first cause. V'karulo elaka de'elaka. And they may very well refer to him as the God of God, because he's the creator. But rock What they do not acknowledge is the fact that God is different than other creators. So we're going to say there's creator with a capital C. That's what we recognize. And then there's creator with a small C. What does it mean to be a creator with a small C? Because if you're a small C creator, so once you've gone ahead and you've completed the project, so the creation is no longer dependent, no longer needs the creator. And well, he's going to give an example in a moment. And the creator is no longer connected with what was created. He says, for example, if you manufacture watches, so you take a bunch of parts and you put them together to manufacture a watch or a clock, once you've successfully manufactured a clock, it runs on its own. You wind it up and it runs all by itself and you don't need the, the manufacturer to continue to infuse energy or something into the watch. The watch is going to be able to run on its own. But But that's not true when we talk about the Creator, capital C, when we talk about God. Baruch continues to put energy into this world, and that's the only way that the world is going to be able to function is if the Creator, with a capital C, continues to be part of the process. And the existence of creation is an ongoing process. And all Koho, sorry, and all of existence relies on the continued flow of energy which comes from Akarish Baruchu. Shimyasalik Rega Yodamimenu Yashuba Kolalafis. Because if Akarish Baruchu were to pull the plug even for a moment, everything would revert back to nothingness. We'd go back to Tovavo, or not even Tovavo. We wouldn't have anything. So now what's the significance of that? Now, this is a different shot than the Radak about Shir Chadash in that Madrash. So the Malbim explains, 
So he says that non-Jews, they sing an old song. Why do we go ahead and characterize this song sung by non-Jews who only see God as a small C creator rather than a capital C creator? Why are they singing an old song? But he says, because all they're going to do is, the only praise of God is that God created on the first day of creation, or the first six days of creation. But since then, they see God as having withdrawn from the world. So therefore, there's no ongoing song that we need to sing today, because there's nothing special about today, because he already did his work 5,784 years ago. So therefore, there's no new song. It's the same song every day. Every day, Same old, same old song. And therefore, there's nothing new that they're going to uh, innovate or they're going to add. But vatem, but you, Klal Yisrael, who see HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the ongoing energy and the ongoing creator of the world, tashir lo So we are always singing a new song to God. He's not focused on the masculine and feminine. He's focused on past tense, uh, an old song versus a new song. Like we say in chakras every day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly, constantly, constantly renewing the world. And he says that also another aspect of the song which is going to be unique in the future is the fact that it's going to be sung by all the inhabitants of the world. Not like up until the moment before the final ghoul of a fi- before redemption, when there's a, a worldwide recognition of God. Because most of the world, most of the non-Jewish world, denied God's ongoing existence and ongoing presence in the universe. And they attributed the force of everything to stars and constellations and the sun and the moon and stuff like that. But once we reach that moment in the future where everybody recognizes God, so then even Kohaaretz, not only the Jewish people are going to be singing to God, but everybody, all the inhabitants of the world will now have a song, will recognize this new song which has to, which has to be sung. That's Pasuk Aleph. Then we say, Shirul Hashem, we're starting from here. Shirul Hashem, Baruch Hu sing to Hashem and bless His name. Basru miyom liyom Yeshuaso, and the word Basru is, if you know a little bit about Hebrew, uh, a little modern Hebrew, we wish somebody Basurot Tovot. We wish them that they should hear good news, that good things should happen. So Basru is to relate. Here they translate it as announce, but it's to recount. His salvation, Yeshua, so his salvation, miyom liyom, from day to day. What does it mean that we're going to go ahead and announce his salvation uh, day to day? So he says that the significance of that is, is that if we're talking about a past salvation event, so then it's something which, uh, it's not something which is going to be so, uh, so dear, even though the emphasis over here, is that even though everybody is aware of the salvation which took place, the ge'ula which will take place in the future, nonetheless, everybody is going to want to retell the story on a daily basis as if it's happening now because it's going to be so, it's going to be so exciting. So many times an exciting event, once it's already happened a week ago or two weeks ago or a month ago, it's no longer exciting. 
But this event of the Geula is going to be something which is so exciting for Ka Yisrael and so exciting for the world that we're going to be talking about it on a constant basis. And it's going to be as dear and as precious and as exciting as when it initially happened. So that's what's going, that's another description of what's going to be in the future. And the Malbim explains, uh, Shiru, he says, Vuhu, that is, he says that not only are we going to be singing to God, so there's one level to sing to God, and then there's another another level when you take it up to 11. So when you take it up to 11, so that's when you go ahead and you bless his name as well. Because bracha is only going to be achieved, is only going to arrive on the goodness and the uh, uh, the flow of energy which comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because the non-Jews who don't see God as a constant source of energy in this world. Remember, they see him as a small C creator. So he did his job and he's no longer involved in what's happening. So they don't see God as blessing the world, as bestowing more goodness or more good energy into this world. So being that they don't see him, they don't see God playing that role, for them, it can never rise to the level of bracha. Because bracha is above and beyond, and it's a specific energy which is coming from a specific source. Haim, raki halalushamo. So from the non-Jewish perspective, all they could do is they could praise his name. But that's it. They don't see bracha because they don't see his presence, his ongoing presence. Avalo But they're not going to be able to bless God because they don't see him playing that role. But David Amach says, you, the Jewish people, not only are we going to sing a song of praise, but we're also going to bless his name. Because we recognize that Baruch Hu is the one who's mashpia, who sends the energy of blessing in our direction on a constant basis. That's one part. Then the Malbim says, Umavuar ki loti al when we talk about the Surot Tavot, when we talk about recounting his goodness, so what we're, we're saying over here is, or announcing his salvation, you don't make an announcement over something which is regular and something which is already mundane, something which we're used to. Rak We only make an announcement about something where we don't know if it's going to happen. And it's not something which arrives or occurs on a regular basis. And for that reason, Amar, we say, So even the salvation, which we did experience on a, on a daily basis, we're going to announce and we're going to make a big deal about it. We're going to recount the fact that each and every day, so from a nature perspective, the sun and the moon, the, the, or the, let's say the sun rising and setting on a daily basis, that sort of ho-hum, because it's been going on for a couple billion years all by itself. But for us, we see it as something which is an exciting event each and every day. Because from our perspective, the rising of the sun, the appearance of the sun and the setting of the sun, it doesn't have to be. Just because it happened yesterday and the day before and the week before and the year before and the decade before and the century before and the millennia before, and I don't know if I could go back any further than that. So it's not something, even though it's happened that many days in a row, more than Cal Ripken Jr., 
Nonetheless, it doesn't mean that it's going to be tomorrow. Raktali Birtsono, everything, even the rising of the sun, depends on God's will. Shemachadish Bechol Yom because HaGadosh Baruch Hu is the one who renews creation each and every day. And every day, a decision is made to create the world again, for the sun to rise again. So from our perspective, since we see God as a, an ongoing active force in the universe, so that's why we are going to recount all of those things. And it'll be exciting for us because we see God playing this unique role. Then in the next passage, passage we say, Sapru Goyim Kivodo, that the nations are going to go ahead and they're going to recount. They will tell over Sipur. They're going to tell over his honor, his kavod. And his wonders amongst all of the peoples. So what, is that, uh, what does that mean? So the first thing is, is that the nations, which when we're experiencing this now, who many nations are not giving Chal Yisrael honor and respect. There's a lot of dishonor and disrespect, which is ha- which is uh, being directed towards Klai Yisrael at this uh, juncture in the, in world history. So at the time of the Geula, when everybody is going to acknowledge that we are Kaddish Baruch Hu's children, so we are going to go ahead, and there will be an honor. Will be uh, will be uh, will be recounted uh, uh, about Kaddish Baruch Hu, and amongst all the nations is going to be his wonders. Now, one thing which the not the the, the Malbim in his explanation of the Psukim, I should say his explanation of the words. So he explains what's the difference between Goyim, which is nations, and Ha'amim, which also we translate as nations. So we have the, we have these synonymous terms which appear in this uh, in the Pasuk, and that's going to uh he's going to develop it further in his deeper commentary, but just in his the part about Parish Hamilos, he says that he's explained many times that an Am is greater than a Goy. Why is an Am greater than a Goy? Goy meaning nation. Because an Am is a nation which has a king. So Goyim is a group of people, but an Am is more elevated than that because they are directed by a king. So what does it mean? Why is it that there's that the Goyim, the lower level, will only be able to recount the Kodesh Baruch Hu's kavod, but the Amim, those who have a king, will be able to recount his wonders. Why that uh, discrepancy? So the Malbim now explains, sorry, uh, so he says, because ki'ad ata, because until that time in the future, the time of the Gula, hayu bena atum kochos. So there are two different categories of groups of people that exist. Shehem, and they are, goyim va'amim. Those are the two words. Shagoyim ha'pchusim lo yadum Hashem klau. The goyim, that term, which is the lower level category of groups, so they are lower level because they don't recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu at all. They reject his, his existence. They don't acknowledge it at all. Va'amim ha'chashuvim, but amim, the other term, that refers to a more sophisticated, more ele- uh, elevated group of people. They're willing to admit that there is a small sea creator, that there is a force and there is a being which brought the world into existence. 
אבל לא ידעו שהוא משה משגיח בשל יכולת ביוגו לעשות בכל אביר כחצו. But they reject the notion that Kadosh Baruch Hu continues to rule, he continues to oversee and guide and direct, and that he has the ability to do whatever he wants within nature. So from their perspective, from the Amim, so all they're willing to do is, they are willing to go ahead and, um, right, so they are willing to go ahead and acknowledge, they'll give him honor in that he is the creator, small c creator. But like we mentioned in the previous passage, they are not yet ready to give a bracha to God, because a bracha means this ongoing, uh, his ongoing input and his ongoing energy into the universe. And they won't even be able to recount his wonders because they don't see God as an active force. They see him as a past force in creation, but not an active current force. Because they reject the notion that God continues to provide salvation and that God is a continued source of bracha in this universe. And he could do wonders and he could overturn all of nature. But at the time of the Gula in the future, even the lower level Goyim, those who didn't even want to recognize God as a creator at all, they didn't want, even want to recognize him as a small C creator, they will then acknowledge his honor, and they'll go up a step and they'll say, oh, you know what, we are wrong. And God actually is a small C creator. God, the, the universe didn't come into existence on its own, but it was brought into existence by God. The Ha'amim and the nations which did already recognize God as a small C creator, Ha'chashuvim, which are a little bit more honored, they're more advanced, Hikiru uh, Kvoda, they already recognized the honor of God because they saw him as this small C creator. Gam Ana Ata, even now, Yakiru Ata Niflosav. Now they'll see the wonders, meaning they will now acknowledge that God has been an active force in the universe all along. So everybody goes up one step from where they were. Those who did not got, deny God, God's existence now recognize that there is a creator. Those who acknowledge that he's a creator, they will now recognize that he was an active force of guiding and directing everything which is happening into, into the universe. So it's those people who are going to, that's why it's the Sapu Vagoim Kivoda, then in the future, those nations which re, which rejected God as a creator, they will now see him as a creator and give honor to him because of that. And those Amim, which recognize him as a creator, they will now see him as somebody who is directly involved in everything which happened in, in the universe. So they will now recount his wonders. Why? Why is all this happening? Ki Gadol Hashem, because Hashem is great, Umhulam Od, and he's great to be praised. Norahu al Kol Elohim. Again, the word Elohim is not a reference to God, capital G, but it's a reference to God, small g. So they now recognize that Akash Baruch Hu is to be feared above all other gods which which, which exist. What does that mean according to the Malbim? The Malbim explains that... Um, 
So we say that what the, this pasuk is now a continuation of the previous pasuk. So he explains, So according to what we said in the previous pasuk, that the lower level non-Jews who initially rejected the notion of God's existence, that at the time of the Gula, they will recognize him as the creator. Mefurash, so we explain why is it that they're going to recognize him? Because they're going to have to acknowledge that God is great and worthy of praise. The same Gadol, Mora, and when we talk about Gadol, when we talk about Gadol Hashem, the word Gadol, that's Mora Shuhasiba Rishon Vachron of the Choldavar. That is a recognition when we use the term Gadol, like we say in Shimon Esrei, Hakel HaGadol. So the word Gadol doesn't just mean great. We're not talking about the size of God, that he's uh, uh, enormous inside, but in size. But what that means is, is that he is the Siba, he is the initial cause of everything which exists. And he is going to be at the end of everything as well. So that's what we mean by Gadol, that he 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 exists outside of time and space. Ratzalomar, in other words, what we mean to say is, Shekocho mispashet al kol havaya. The Kash power extends over all of existence. So that's why they're not going to be able to see that Hashem is great, umulam od, and he's worthy of praise. Ubechozeh umulam od. And with all of that, he is extremely praiseworthy. Because they're now going to recognize why everything in the universe exists. They'll understand why there's different planets and why there are uh, uh, why there are stars and why there are different galaxies. And they'll recognize why God created fish. We're waiting to hear for that. All sorts of things which are mysteries to us right now. So all of that will be clearly understood at that time in the future. But that is that corresponds to the Goyim who initially rejected God's existence as a creator. And then the second half of that Pasuk, those nations which even before the Gula recognized HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a creator, they just rejected the notion that he's an, it continues to be an active force in the universe. So to them, we say, they're going to acknowledge Akash Baruch Hu is more awesome than, or more more awesome than all of the other forces in the universe which they originally perceived. They thought that the sun is a power in the universe, and that the moon is a power in the universe, and that you know the the mil, uh, the uh, uh, the Big Dipper is a power in the earth. They recognize all of they saw all of those as powers. Now they're going to see that no, none of those things—the sun and the moon and the stars—don't have any independent power whatsoever. Those are not active forces in the universe. There is no such thing as forces of nature, but rather Shabbat, everything comes from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And nobody should think that these are forces of nature which cannot be adjusted and cannot be changed and that they are fixed laws of nature which are, they are what they are and they are inviolable, I think is the word. But rather, they're not going to recognize that all of them are tools in God's hands and ultimately he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. Because... This we this is part of what we say in the in Sukkot Zimra in the morning in the in the Hodu paragraph. But we say that all of again the word Elohei over here is small g because all of the gods of the nations Elilim are idols. They have no power to themselves. Pause. 
Hashem. But when it comes to God, Shamayim Asa, He is the one who brought the heavens into existence. Uh, meaning what? That the nations which used to, the Radak says, that the nations which used to worship the sun and the moon and the stars, thinking that they were forces, that they were gods and forces, we're going to reach the point now in the in the future, we're going to see them is they have no power whatsoever because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who brought them into existence. That's why we say that those things which we thought were powers which existed in the heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars, Hashem Shemaim Asa, all of those are also creations of God and they have no power to themselves. Explains the Malbim. Um, because the nations, they assign Elahus They assign some sort of godliness or some sort of power to the heavenly host, to the sun, the moon, and the stars. In their erroneous thinking, that they work based on their own power and their own energy. But everybody will now recognize, but they are empty shells. Do not look behind the curtain, ignore whatever you're going to see behind the curtain because there's actually no power there whatsoever. Because God is the one who created the heavens. In anything which exists, even in the heavens, they ultimately derive their strength and they derive their power, their perceived power, only from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If you remember from this series which we did on the 13 principles, so we said that HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually did give the sun, moon, and stars power, but they are wielders of power, not the source of power. So he said that the general is the one, the one who's in charge, the, the chief of joint chiefs of staff. So he's the one who, who, who uh, possesses all of the power, what to do in the army. But if you're a private or you're a soldier and you want off for Shabbos, you don't call the general, you don't call the joint chiefs of staff, you call your commanding officer and he decides whether or not you get the Shabbos off. But he is not the wheel, he's the wielder of power. He's the one who's allowed to exercise power, but he's not the source of the power. There's a force which is behind him, even though he's a wielder of power. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to get confused between the source of power, which is God, and the wielder of power is what we see directly above us sort of directing things. So he says that this is what the, the nations, that's they're going to have that V8 moment where they're going to say, oh, I didn't realize that it was actually HaKadosh Baruch Hu was behind everything. I thought it was the sun and the moon and the stars all by themselves. Um, okay, now we continue. Pasuk Vav, about halfway through. Hod v'hadar lefanav. So, so there is beauty and splendor before him. V'oz v'siferes b'mikdasho. And strength and glory are in his sanctuary. So here also, as we're going to see from the Malbim, we have a series of uh, synonymous types of terms, like what's the difference between beauty and splendor? Uh, and then oz and tiferes. So the Malbim explains, also very nice, he says that hahod, when we talk about that, which he translated as beauty, that's an inner beauty, something which characterizes the very essence of something, but it could be, it could be a private sort of hidden type of beauty. It's something which is inside rather than something which is perceived on the outside. The hahodar, and then the second term, beauty and splendor. So the term Hadar, Uha Yofi Hachitsoni Lamar Einaim. 
that's an outer beauty which other people are able to uh, are able to see, and that's something which is visual. So there's the inner beauty of a person, which is not visible to the eye. And then there's Hadar, which is the external beauty of a person, which is something which is visible. Similarly, he says, oz, hu pnimi. oz is an inner strength. It's not somebody who's flexing muscles. It's not the, a big, strong uh, person, but it's an inner strength which a person has. Shehadavar oz batsmuso, or oz batsmuso. Something has its own inherent strength and power to it. And then the Tiferes, and the term Tiferes is Hu Inyan Chitsoni. That's something which is external, where other people are able to see, not necessarily power, but it's something which is perceived on the outside as something which is visual. Now he says, in the Pshat and the Pasuk is, Shemina Hoda Pnimi, when we say Hod Vahadal Lefanov. So from that inner Hod, sorry, let me get rid of the space over here. Shemina hod hapnimi, that from that inner beauty, shenimtza ba'atzmo, which you're able to see within the person themselves, it's internal, nishtal shalaoz b'mikdosho, that's what gives power, again, that's the inner power, to the base of mikdosh. Because, shebo maniga olam, because it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, uh, sort of hidden power, as it's manifests itself through the Beis Hamikdash, through the sanctuary, that's where direction and that's where Hakadosh Baruch Hu's uh, divine providence emanates from. Umina Hadar, in from the external beauty, Nishtal Shaltiferes. That's how we see the external power. Shabo Yanig Hanhaga Plait. That's where we get to see wondrous things which Hakadosh Baruch Hu does, wondrous miraculous things which Hakadosh Baruch Hu does. And that's why there's going to be a beauty as HaKadosh Baruch Hu flexes his muscles and he shows us exactly what he's capable of doing. So it goes from that inner strength to the outer strength. And being that there's now a recognition of those things. So now we say um, So ascribe to God we call the families of the nations, again, there's that term nations, the families of the people, to go ahead and ascribe to God, and then what exactly are they going to ascribe to God? That's going to be his honor and his strength. Kavod, meaning his honor, oz is going to be the uh, is going to be the strength. What does that mean? Um, yeah, we'll take it one at a time, I guess. So he explains that, so he says, we said the beginning of the Pasuk is that that it's going to be the families uh, the families of the people who are going to ascribe to God. So the Malbim says, that the families of the nations, those who were willing to recognize God as a creator, don't attribute anything to any other power, any other source in the universe. You families ascribe everything to God. Ultimately, you have to see at the time of the Gula, when God reveals himself, everybody should come to the recognition that everything is traced back to God. No matter what's going on, it's traceable back to God. And we say, what type of, uh, what are we ascribing to God? 
any honor in strength which you see in the universe, any power that you see in the universe, ultimately it stems from God. Ratzalomer. There are those nations, again, those are the higher level ones, that are willing to acknowledge the existence of a God. Rock, but their hesitancy is, they say, they maintain, they assert, even if we will acknowledge that he created, he's not in charge of running the world. He's the creator of it. He's he's the uh, he's the uh, the, uh, the the um, not creator. He's the uh, uh, the innovator of the universe. But he's not the CEO who's in charge, or the COO COO who's in charge of the operations of the universe. They are who is outsourced to somebody else. Rak Masar Han those Amim, those nations, they say that God outsourced the power, created it in the first place, but then he outsourced it to the sun and the moon and the stars and the constellations and all of that. That's what they believed up until the time of the Gula. So to dispel that notion, we now say, give honor and respect to God, meaning acknowledge that ultimately all of these powers are still in God's hands. Mitzachu because number one, he created everything. Ubena owes, and as you acknowledge his power, and the, the reason why we emphasize his strength is to, is to indicate, is to express, is to share the idea that Kashbrahu continues to be an active force in nature and something which could override nature from our human perspective that demonstrates great strength. Vakash Baruch could bring a tsunami. Tsunami requires an incredible amount of energy to move that much water that far and to realize that that is Vakash Baruch who did that. So we see that as a display of O's, a display of strength. Like we say when we hear thunder, that his power and his strength fills the entire universe. And that's just thunder. Thunder isn't even so impressive compared to a, a, a tsunami. And manipulates things and he adjusts things based on our behavior and what the consequences of that are supposed to be. And now we explain what those two things are, what exactly it is that we are uh, assigning and recognizing from God. So the first thing we said is go ahead and assign, ascribe to God that was the kavod va'oz. That was the honor and the strength of his existence. And then, on the heels of that, we say, and not only that, we're going to give honor to his strength, but habul Hashem kavod shemo. We're going to go ahead and we're going to ascribe honor to his name. Su'u mincha And not only are we going to acknowledge it in word, but we're also going to acknowledge it indeed because we're going to enter into the sanctuary, the courtyard of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, meaning the Beis HaMikdash, with a mincha, with a korba mincha. We're going to give thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, recognition of all that, he has, uh, all that he has done and his power, his active power in the universe. Meaning that ki mitzad ki, uh, yeah, because in this regard, we perceive God 
is a king who is sitting in his inner chamber. And many people have not seen him. They know that there's a king, but how many people in the kingdom back in the day, how many of them would have actually seen the king in person? There'd actually be very few people who actually saw the king in person because they didn't have television, they didn't have cameras. They just knew that there was a king who sat somewhere in a capital city and he had some ginormous palace in which he lived and it was well guarded by moats and soldiers and uh, I think dragons and whatnot. So all sorts of things which stood to keep him protected. So the most they could do is they could give honor to his name because they didn't see him personally, but they knew that the name of the king is something which is to be is to be honored and to be respected. All they knew about him was his name, but that was the extent of it. In this regard, you will be somewhat similar to slaves. So when people come and they want to give gifts to the king, so they drop them off by the front entrance, they give it to the slaves, and the slaves went ahead and they carry those gifts into the courtyard of the king. But they can't actually reach the inner chamber, the inner rooms of where the king resides, in order to be actually be able to see his face. Because the king very often is somebody who is hidden away. So as the nations of the world are going to acknowledge God's existence, and they're going to want to bring presents, they bring presents, but they you know, they ring the bell, or trick or treat, you know, they ring the bell, and they want to drop it off, but all they can do is they say, thank you very much, I'll take that package. And that's it. You never see the CEO. You never, the recipient of that gift, you never actually see. You drop it off by the doorman who gives it to a person on that floor, who then brings it to the, uh, you know, the executive secretary, who then may give it to the king or not, or may go into the into the trash, depending on how whether they think the king would be impressed with that. That's all that's going to happen for the nations of the world. But... Um, but for us, as we're going to see, we are going to bow before God in the splendor of holiness, meaning in the beauty of his sacred area. We're going to tremble before him. All the people of the earth. Who are we talking about over here? So the Malbim explains that he says that you should know that those of you who actually reach the chatzar, those of you who actually reach the yard, so from there, you're going to be able to actually uh, um, gain access and entrance into the heichal of the king, into the chamber where the king resides. Because the truth is, and certainly for our Kaddish Baruch Hu, he does not wish to be separate and apart from the nation. There was never HaKadosh Baruch Hu's intent. Remember, we talk about in Shul all the time that the goal is Devekos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants attachment and connection with us. And therefore, to create this barrier where we don't have access to the king, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want that at all. But rather, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is eager and he's prepared to be seen by those who visit the Chatzor, those who get into the Chatzor, and want to go ahead and uh, and present the gift to him directly. Ube'es, and at that time, Tiras HaMelech Yo'atzmo, 
and when you at the opportunity when you have to actually see the king directly, you'll finally gain access and you'll be in the presence of the king, seeing him sitting upon his throne. Then at that moment, like we do on Yom Kippur, when we hear the name of God being announced uh, by the Kohen Gadol. So at that moment, when you hear the name of God or you realize that you're in the direct presence of the king, they're going to, the response to that is complete submission. Com complete submission is expressed by the bowing that we do when we acknowledge that we are in his presence. There are midrashim which talk about how that there's a lot of fanfare which, which takes place before the arrival of the king. But once the king arrives, there is this palpable silence. Because the, in the king's presence, you don't need all that music and you don't need all that fanfare. Just the king's presence itself is already the experience. So that's a silent moment. And obviously God doesn't reveal himself in a physical form because God doesn't have a physical form. But the way that God appears before mankind is through Hashkacha Pratis. When we see how he has interacted with the world, that is the recognition of his presence. And then, And it's at that point that we're going to be able to see and we're going to acknowledge how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, behaved beyond the laws of nature, above the laws of nature, circumventing the laws of nature, or, or just stepping over the laws of nature, because with, with his holiness and with wonders. And that's what we mean when we say the Hadras Kodesh. Hadras Kodesh, which we translate as the splendor of holiness, that's where we are in the direct proximity of God, seeing his interactions with people and with nations of the world. And now he was able to overcome all of nature, seeing his actual power. That is the Hadras Kodesh. And at that point, we don't need to have other officers and other ministers and other assistants in order for there to be honor, which is uh, uh, which goes to the king, because because we know that Baruch Hu, as lofty and as elevated as he is, we say this in in Hallel, Baruch Hu is mashpil; he lowers himself in order to be involved in our physical universe. That's one of the ways by which we describe and we, we praise God is his capacity to not be a separate king who sits away from everybody else, separate and apart, but he enters into our world because he wants that dvekas. And as a result of that, there's going to be a tremble. That's the end of the Pasuk. There's going to be a trembling before him. All the inhabitants of the world are going to tremble before him as they realize that they are in the presence of the Creator, who is the ongoing energy in the universe. And when he appears and we recognize his role and his presence and everything which happened in the universe, so then there's going to be this tremendous awe, this tremendous reverence, and a tremendous fear. Mitzad, with the recognition of the, the extent of the power which God possesses, Mitzad Shebekocho, Laros Esa Teva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu completely overturned Teva, right? He wrote the program, and therefore since he wrote the program, he could change the program at will. And he is the one who is going to oversee the universe with his divine presence. 
And that's what we're recognizing at this time of the Gula, this uh, the Gula in the future, the extent of God's power and his presence in, in, in the universe. Okay, so I think we will... We will uh, hold it over here uh, for tonight. So next week in Mirza Hashem, we will.